0: welcome to celebration church's podcast we hope this helps you to know god better and trust him more to learn more about celebration church please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com uh, well this week we are kicking along rolling in our christmas series um, if you're if this is your first time with us during this season uh we're in a series called Capish navidad and I realized that is 100% wrong. And so, uh, but it came about a couple of years ago uh, with our youngest child, uh, who was about six at that time, going around the house singing, Capisce Navidad, Capisce Navidad. And so uh, she had no idea Capisce was a word, but she didn't know what Navidad meant either. So, you know, she's just singing what she hears. And um, for those of y'all who are unaware of the word Capisce, it's a slang Italian word for, do you understand? And so, uh, you know, this little girl singing in a preacher's home, I'm like, that is an awesome uh, Christmas series. And so we uh, put it in my pocket and uh, felt like this year was a good year to pull that out um, because we want to make sure that we understand Christmas, that that piece is absolutely vital. So if you've got your bulletin, if you got your Bible app, however it is you're going to track along with us, and you look, click the little QR code up there a minute ago, um, then we're going to jump right into this because we need to get this, that to understand Christmas, um, we must see that Christmas is about God giving to us, and we have to, we have to get that, and we have to make sure that's the foundation of this. I realize it's, it can feel, especially when, when you're an adult it can feel like what you have to give, what you are required to give. The holiday season rolls around, you know, the, the, the starry-eyed thing of, you know, when you were six, seven, eight years old and Christmas was about, man, what's coming my way? You know, you're just so excited. Christmas is so exciting as a child and some point in life, it can begin to morph and go from the most exciting part of the year to the most stressful part of the year. And it was never meant to be that. That it was supposed to be a season where we celebrate God giving to us. Not feeling like we're being pulled on from every different angle. And the thing is, is if we don't operate in the right understanding, um, that we can we can imprint on that. And it, it can just stay with us. It can mark it. Forever and so, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, me and the the family we went on a went on a cruise. We like to do cruises. Uh, sadly, we've not got to go on one since all the COVID years. At some point, we hope to be able to do that again. Um, but uh, this particular cruise, we went out of Galveston. And if you've cruised out of Galveston, Uh, at all, um, you hit Cozumel. And so just every boat, I think, it just goes directly to Cozumel and then does something else uh, possibly after that. So we were there. We were in Cozumel. We were going to be doing some uh, little excursion stuff, having a little bit of fun. And we had a tour guide. And of course, Cozumel is there on on the Yucatan Peninsula. And he's just kind of giving us some history and talking about that, talking about that area. And he said, you know, that the that Yucatan, um, you know, it got its name from the European explorers who found that space, and it has been called Yucatan ever since those Europeans found it. But Yucatan actually um, is a derivative of Mayan for I don't understand. And that's because the European explorers showed up and spoke their their language to these Mayans, and saying, what is this land called? And they replied, Yucatan. And they're like, oh, we're in Yucatan. This is a wonderful Yucatan. All oh, beautiful beaches of Yucatan. And they just replied, I don't understand. And they just imprinted on it, and it has been called Yucatan to this day. And so, and there's a place where, You and I can have an encounter and have something, and if we don't understand and don't get it right from the beginning, sometimes those things can stay with us a really, a really long time, and so what we want to make sure is that although you and I, we're sitting here in a church service, we're like preacher, I get it. You know, Jesus is the reason for the season. I understand that, but it can still kind of a little bit We're leaky vessels, and a lot of the other pressures, a lot of the other demands that are put on us can begin to make the season feel a little less simply about the love of God, and other things can begin to seep in there. And we've launched with this passage of Scripture of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse three, uh, where Paul tells the Corinthian believers, he says, "I'm afraid." That just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Their devotion to Christ was sincere and it was pure. It, they weren't putting on a show. It wasn't just a little cultural thing. Okay, I'm just kind of go along with it because this is a cultural countercultural. These guys are on the, the, the tip of the spear of Christianity. This was not an easy thing for them to do. Their, their devotion was pure and real to Christ. But there was still a space, even in the middle of that, where, where Paul understood that even that can be led astray. And he's and I want us to see today that the battleground for that is our minds. He says that that your minds may somehow be led astray. That's where the going astray begins. Our hearts understand what what Jesus has done for us. Our hearts understand that God loves us and made that love known for us in Christ, but then our minds begin to get bombarded with stressors and life issues and all sorts of different things. And it begins to then become this place where that leading astray, our sincere and pure devotion begins to get pulled on in this first place right here where we're thinking. And one of the best things that helps us to be able to guard that is something that God wanted us to have in our regular life flow pattern from the very beginning. And that is this thing called rest. It's rest. Rest is restorative. Rest is life-giving. But this pace, especially this time of the year, man, that's one of the things we feel like, if I can just get through this holiday season, I'll rest in the new year. Well, guess what waits on you? Your new gym membership that tells you to get up at 5 a.m., That's what waits on you in the new year. And then you're like, well, as soon as I get fit, well, then I'll rest. Well, guess what? How many years have you said that? And so I know how many years I've said it. And so, but there's just place. If we don't purposely put rest in our schedule, we won't do it. Which is why God so lovingly, wonderfully in the Ten Commandments and speaking to his people said, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, people began to turn that and turn it into a legal constraint instead of the blessing it was. And Jesus came in and reminded us that, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God didn't say, I need some, somebody to rest one day a week. What can I do? Oh, I'll create man and require him to rest. No. He said, I've rec- I created man and he requires rest. He needs rest it is, a, is something that is needful for us. And so with that, we need to understand that Christmas is a time of peace and should be about resting in what Christ has done. This should be a time where we can actually begin to, to slow down a little bit. This is a natural time of the year where if you've got vacation days, you should be taking them. This is a time where families should begin to get together and time off, days off, should be a natural part of this season. And so you and I need to understand that we're going to have to understand that rest is required. And, and with Christmas being a time of peace, let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 14. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. What a beautiful thing that we can rest because God's favor rests. If God's favor didn't rest, we couldn't rest, okay? I'm able to sit here and be able to to look at my notes because this is resting on this table, it's not floating around, it's not there for a second and then not. So I'm not concerned that the table is gonna vanish all of a sudden and, and as long as I do everything just right, the table's gonna stay there and my notes are gonna stay propped up. No, the table's not going anywhere. My notes can fully rest there. And I can be able to to function and to be able to teach because it rests. That is the beauty of the of the assuredness we have in our faith in Christ that God's favor rests on us. We're not here trying to do this little religious song and dance to make Jesus smile and make him happy with us, to make God happy with us so we can get a little bit of favor and we can roll into the new year, new me. I've got the blessing of God with me because finally i got a little bit of his favor. No, his favor rests. It rests on you. It didn't show up and leave, show up and leave. You were a good little boy this this year, and now you're on the good list, and now all of a sudden you can get what your little blessing at the end of the year. No, you're on the naughty list, and so you better be better next year so his favor can rest on you. No, his favor rests on you. He chose to place it on you, and because his favor rests on you, we can actually rest. Luke chapter 2, verse 19 says, But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart i love the image of this the image of this moment is not a mom harried and and scurrying around trying to figure thing out this image is of a of a restful young mom who's sitting there and has the son of God in her arms. And and all of these different things have showed up and prophetic words have been given and she ponders them, thinks about them and treasures them in her heart. This is not the image of someone striving and going under some sort of heavy load. This is the image of someone recognizing that God loves them and is with them and a part of something really big and really huge. And I'm just going to savor it for a minute. Some of the moments in life, um, we just need to savor. We just need to enjoy. I was a young dad, uh, when Keenan was born, I was, uh, 21. And, um, so, you know, I, as a young dad, you know, I could not wait. You know, I got a little baby, you know, that uh, as a dude, you know, that's cool. It's mine. But, you know, here, sweetheart, um, when he can, like, run and pick stuff up and throw things, I want him back. And uh, but uh, while he's just eating, pooping and crying, he's kind of yours. And so, you know, and so and. You know, and that was sadly my attitude. I didn't say it out loud. I would have never gone over in my home. And so I was an active dad. You know, I changed lots of diapers and did all that stuff, but I just couldn't wait. You know, till then he could do the next thing, you know, till, till he could be able to, you know, to go outside and run and climb trees and go to Enchanted Rock and, and do all of the different stuff that I wanted to be able to do with him. And, and just sitting there and just as an infant, a, a, a tiny little person he would never be again, I just didn't savor it. It wasn't until... I had one, had Kenan, and he was sitting there, and he was about eight years old and being able to do those things. And then I had another son that was able to, to do stuff, and then Carson comes along. And then I'm like, hmm, he can be a baby as long as he wants. <laughs> and I think that's where the baby thing comes from, when the baby of the family, because you're just like, you know what, what? I've, I've rushed it. But I learned the hard way to savor, and I learned the hard way now that my first grandchild has showed up. I'm like, man, just the awareness of how fleeting the first couple of months are. And just, nothing. I just want nothing more than just to enjoy them. And sadly, we have to learn that. We have to learn to slow down and know all those steps are coming. All of those promises are on their way. Let's enjoy where we are. Let's enjoy where we are and rest Let you enjoy where you are. God wants us to be able to enjoy the fullness of life. The good news version of Luke 2.19 says, Mary remembered all these things and thought deeply about them. How wonderful is it to think deeply about it in the moment, lots of us who've had a few uh, few Christmases <laughs> through the years, we've confined ourselves thinking deeply about things way after the fact. but we'll enjoy the fullness of our lives if we'll slow to begin to rest and enjoy things deeply in, their, in the moment. See, peace comes. Peace is knowing that God can be trusted. That is the core place of peace. And we, when we know God can be trusted, we can find real genuine peace in any circumstance. Not just peaceful circumstances, but in any circumstances. But the basis of it is that knowing that God can be trusted. And we can just, yell, oh, you know what? In the middle of whatever, I can just be at rest. I can be fully at rest. Um, years ago, when we were before we started Celebration Church, and we were on our journey visiting churches and letting God kind of grow in us the vision for the the church that He would have us to to lead and to and to do, we made a had a wonderful stop as a family um, in Orlando and and went to Disney World. And so Disney is a you know a big exciting place, and we made a full day of it. They had an extended. Hours that day with a pirate and princess party, so we did that, and and uh, then Carson was had just turned five years old, and so uh, he had his little uh, uh, pirate outfit on, was enjoying his day, and we'd bought the Mickey ears, did the whole the whole thing, and then. They're at the end of the day, right before we went back to uh, to to go to sleep and call it a day. Um, Then we got to get everybody's names on their ears. You know, you got a bunch of kids. You know, you know, you got to make sure everybody's got the right thing. So we're getting them stitched and uh, sitting here in this little shop there downtown Disney, and uh, we look over. And uh, Carson had obviously just pushed him, his little five-year-old self, too far. And here in the middle of all the hubbub, in the middle of all of it, he found a little place to sit down, and he did this. <laughs> <laughs> They're on the Tinkerbell shelf <laughs> while, <laughs> while we're all getting the stitching done. He is sound asleep. There. And in the middle of all of it, he's at fully at rest. And that, that image has always been with me. That, that little moment preached to me as a preacher, um, that we should be able, that in no matter what environment, because the, what made him be able to do that is he knew his parents were right there. And he didn't have to take care of himself. He didn't have to shake himself awake and make sure he didn't get left behind. He could just rest. And if need be, his parents would scoop him up and take him along, which is exactly what we did, that we scooped him up, carried him along, and got him back to where he needed to be, that he was 100% okay because he trusted his parents. And therefore, he could be fully at rest wherever he found himself. And so you and I, as we grow in knowing God better and trusting him more, that is the baseline where we, our peace begins to grow, even in the middle of maybe just the regular flow of life. It's not that we finally have our cushy little bed and we've locked our door and everything's exactly the way we need it and now we can breathe our sigh of relief. No, in the middle of the flow of life, we can live a life of rest and peace. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. It's as we recognize that that our faith is in a solid, trustworthy father. That's where joy and peace begin to grow. See, as we're filled with joy and peace as we trust in him, so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got so much of it going on in our lives that it actually begins to spill out and it begins to be a little bit contagious. We're so full of joy, we're so full of peace that people find themselves being a little more at peace and just getting around us. That it begins to overflow out of our lives. That's how this thing is supposed to work that it begins to move and and go through and impact life for life and begins to connect out of a natural flow of what God was doing on the inside of us. And people begin to go, man, I know there's a lot going on in this world. Why are you so at peace? And you just share, hey, because I know that God can be trusted. 2 Peter 1, 2 It says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You want peace in abundance? Learn more of who God is. The more you understand his nature and understand what has been accomplished in Jesus, then peace will be yours in abundance. Jude 1-2 says, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. God doesn't want us to just have enough peace to make it through. To just not absolute, just so we don't lose our minds. He wants us to have peace so that our minds are steady and solid. John 14, 1 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There are things that are troubling, but we can't let our hearts be troubled. See, the the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, um, It has this understanding and this context of nothing missing and nothing broken. Peace is more than just being at rest or finding some sort of moment in your life. That's not not the peace. Peace is letting God's restorative work be there. And even if it feels like something's missing, even if it feels like something is broken in the moment... Trusting that God is going in His restorative work is going to turn that around. John 14 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I did not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, the truth is is that Jesus has us, we can trust Him, we can be at peace because God's got us covered on all bases. Let's look at Luke. 418 where jesus decrees says the spirit of the lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord See, whatever situation we find ourselves in, Jesus is there to bring about a place of restoration and wholeness in every situation we find ourselves in. So folks, celebrating the birth of the Prince of Peace means letting his peace rule our hearts. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's what he wants to bring. When you go into a point of prayer and you're panicky and you're freaked out over something and you you begin and you go in that panicky state and you know what? It it hits all of us. So go go to a place of prayer. But as you begin to take that, the Holy Spirit will automatically begin to speak peace and assurance into your heart. Here's the problem. Is your mind feels like it's fully informed on all the details of the situation. So your heart begins to be assured by the Holy Spirit. And your mind, remember that's the battleground where all of this is taking place, begins to argue, well, what about this? 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 It's in that moment when we recognize that the Holy Spirit is trying to bring about peace, of assuring us that, that God's with us and is going to carry us through to the other side and he is faithful and then if we catch our minds beginning to argue with what the Holy Spirit is doing, that is where we, this passage of Scripture comes in, and we have to let, we have to let peace rule. Because there's tension. We have what the Holy Spirit is whispering into our souls, whispering to our hearts, and what our minds are arguing and saying, and that's where we're going to say, which side am I going to choose to align with? Am I going to choose to align with my own rationale, or am I gonna allow the Holy Spirit who sees things I don't see, who knows things I don't know, who can do things I can't do, begin to have the say in my life? Am I going to let his peace rule? And that's the choice. That's at that moment, that's when we begin to let his peace rule. Because the truth is, is there are other things that want to rule. Chaos wants to rule your heart. Fear wants to rule your heart. Anxiety wants to rule your heart. These things are relentless. They talk to you. They, they begin to plant things in your mind. And we have to make sure and let the peace of Christ rule in our heart. John sixteen thirty three. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, it's going to happen. If you're waiting for trouble to stop to have peace, you will never have peace. Never. If you're waiting for trouble to stop, for you to be able to feel at rest, you're never going to have rest. It's not going to happen. That's why Jesus came in and gave us the insight in this world. This world is a troubled world. The enemy is still at this place referred to as the God of this world. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords, He has more authority. But the enemy is at work. His days are numbered. But right now, he's still attacking. He's still tempting. He's still at work here. And we have to understand and lean into the truth that he has overcome or we will get sucked in to that place. And we have to take heart because he has overcome. See that spot, the little picture of uh, being asleep in the most awkward spot. We see that scripturally. See, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells his disciples who were guys who were fishermen, who who understood the sea, understood storms, understood how to get a boat from one place to another, and says, take us to the other side. And then what does Jesus do? If you know your scripture, you know Jesus goes to sleep. Jesus goes to sleep. And then the storm comes up, and guess what Jesus is still doing? Still sleeping. The storm gets worse. Still sleeping. The guys are in full panic mode. I guarantee it's not quiet. They're not having silent panic. Hey, guys, are you freaked out as much as I am? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to die. No, that's, they're not doing that. They're, they're loud, they're rowdy, they're freaked out. And guess what Jesus is doing? He's asleep. The boat is up and down rocking. Waves are crashing and Jesus is asleep. Finally, the disciples can stand it no longer and they go and wake Jesus up and say, don't you care if we die? Not, I know you have the power to stop this. Their questioning was whether or not he cared. Their peace was lost because they thought he didn't care. Jesus was able to rest because he knew his father cared. Jesus was going to get where he was going to go. He was going to get to the other side. It may have been an epic storm and a great story to tell around the campfire, but they were getting to the other side. And Jesus was going to be able to sleep through it Peter is one of the guys who's freaking out you're like of course Jesus can rest in the storm Jesus can because he's Jesus he's the son of God of course he can rest well Peter didn't rest in this Peter had his freak out moment Peter's one of the guys one of the most seasoned ones he was the one everybody would have looked to and he's freaking out we don't know who shakes Jesus but it was probably Peter We don't know who does it, but it was probably Peter. Peter's the one freaking out. But Peter learned to rest in peace. He learned to allow peace, to allow him to rest. Because we catch up with Peter years later in Acts chapter 12. Peter's in jail. He is slated for execution the very next day. It says the church is in full prayer drive. They're in prayer battle for Peter. And Peter is chained between two guards. They're so concerned that Peter's, something might happen that Peter gets away, that he's actually chained to people. And he's there and he's chained between these two guards. And it says he's asleep. Then the scriptures say that an angel shows up and a bright light fills his cell. You turn on a bright light when I'm asleep and you know what happens? I wake up. I wake up. You turn the light on and I wake up. A bright light, an angelic light fills the cell. Peter doesn't wake up. And it says the angel actually has to go. It actually has to shake him. And actually this one translator says strike him. You got the old buddy from the angel. Wake up. Peter wakes up. Chains fall off. He walks out, goes, and he is miraculously has an amazing jailbreak moment and gets out of of prison. But where was he? He was asleep. He was resting good on the eve before his execution. I wish I said I had that kind of faith, but if I was supposed to be executed tomorrow, I guarantee I'm praying all night. I'm like, if I make it past my, I'll take a nap then. But Peter was obviously doing the right thing. Peter knew that God could be trusted and somewhere between the franticness of the, of the storm and the execution orders, Peter learned to trust and to rest. And so if Peter can learn to trust and to really rest, I think you and I can learn <laughs> to trust and to really rest. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six says, for to us, a child is born and to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace and of the increase of his government. And peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As we remember that a child is born, we have to remember that the government will be on his shoulders and he's the prince of peace. Whose government? Who's government? You're in my government. Who are you giving authority to? Who are you submitting to? Who are you having allegiance to? Who are you aligning to? If you align with him, with Prince of Peace, of his peace, there will be no end. We see in the life of Peter, he went from being full panic-driven to being able to sleep on the night of his execution. Because he was letting the peace of Christ rule his heart. He was letting the increase of the government of Peter to increase. And as he let that government of Peter increase, peace increased. You want to increase your peace, increase the lordship. The more you let him have authority over, the higher the peace is going to get in your life. You want to stay wrapped up in fret. You want to stay wrapped up in anxiety. You try to be self-governing. You try to be the boss of you. And watch it weigh you down. But you let him be Lord. And it will change everything. Our bottom line today is this. That God gave his best so that you can truly rest.